Welcome to the Legendarium. Uh, Batman should never have named his cameras Batcam 1, 2, 3, and 4, because anyone hacking them just knows right away, like, oh, Batcave, okay, I'm here. <laughs> that is one of the single greatest observations of that movie. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to episode number 158 of the Legendarium Podcast. Today, we're talking Justice League and maybe, if you're very good, a little bit of The Punisher as well. I'm Craig Hanks, your host, and over there, he's as jolly as Santa Claus and just as likely to get you to sit in his lap. It's Todd Wenty. I resemble that remark on so many levels. And he is as awful as Vegemite tastes, and it would probably sound better in front of a microphone. It's Ryan Bruckman. And, yep, I'm going to let that one fly. All right. And for our special guest today, she's as pale as winter and similarly tends to wear out her welcome long before she leaves. It's, now hang on, I want to get this right, Vilja Hunenen Johnson. Johnson. That's the one I stumble over. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Johnson. Mm -hmm. Okay. Vilja, welcome. Oh, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Now you hail from the exotic land of Massachusetts? Yes. Is that right? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I... I pronounced your name ethnically correct, you know, the Massachusetts well, way. you know, Massachusetts by way of Finland. Oh. Either way. Okay. Well, that makes more sense. I don't want you to ever plan a layover for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, Vilja is with us today because you are the world's foremost expert on Batman. Uh, will you claim that title or accept that title? I would love to accept that title if you're going to give it to me. Sure. sure. Uh, I mean, yeah. in in my world. Yeah, in your world, probably. Yeah. You're the That's foremost fair. expert on Batman. You actually wrote your college master's thesis. On... Yes. My master's thesis was about Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. So did you, you had to get it all up in like Batman lore and mythology and like history of Batman? Yeah. When I was doing revisions, they said, please learn more Batman and then we'll pass this. And I was like, great. Done. <laughs> done. All right. Well. Just hold up with some comic books for a while. Well, we'll get to, we'll get to uh, the We're going to have a conversation. We really are going to have a good conversation. The, the, the DC stuff will come in a moment. First, <laughs> uh, a reminder, go to patreon.com slash legendarium and you can support the show there on an ongoing basis. Uh, November has been a very generous month. Thank you all uh, very much for the support you give us. Uh, and if you have not done so yet, you can go give as little as a dollar an episode at patreon.com slash legendarium. Now, uh, gofundme.com is where you can go. And I don't want to hear any more go fund yourself jokes. I, I, you didn't deliver it the right way to, to merit a response like that. Uh, well, last time you, you you messed up my flow. So I just thought I'd mess up my own today. Uh, no, go to gofundme.com and search legendarium and you can find our page there it is the page for the new studio construction uh it is ongoing uh you guys have been very generous there already but i am asking for just a little bit more i'm keeping that page open for another two weeks uh and the reason i'm telling you that is because not only can you give to the construction of the new studio but you can also that is how you're going to vote for the next thing we read uh there are five series on that page that are are uh suggested votes uh but every dollar you give you can you can put to whatever you want so whether it's patrick rothfuss or uh el james you can you can give whatever you want to make us read whatever you want um and then the top two or three we are definitely going to read those and there are two top contenders right now i'm not going to tell you what they are but they're pretty close and so your donation might just it over the edge some rich um, guy's gonna come in and throw the whole thing off and donate it you know fifteen hundred dollars and make us read ayn rand or something like that i i would oh, read please. atlas shrugged oh, twice for fifteen hundred dollars i i i am what uh, the medievalists would call a whore for cash i will do anything i will read whatever you want if you want to give fifteen hundred bucks i will read i don't know what's the worst thing we could read todd Worst thing. worst thing that yeah. we could read? Fifty Shades of Grey and Fifty Shades Darker. And Fifty Shades Freed? Yeah, something like that. Do you know that. how, yeah, I, like how you know the name of that? It's it's either that or the Twilight series. Either of those two, I think, would be things that would make me if want we, to gouge out my eyes. If we ever do that, like... And usually, I would gladly do that if people will give that. 1500 bucks. <laughs> so Todd, also a whore. 
also uh, a whore. Welcome to my land. Uh, okay, so anyway, not a whore, that's... a mercenary. I'm a mercenary. Yeah, those are just violence whores. Call it what man you will. Whores. Man whores. There you go. Uh, yeah. They get their they whore out their manly. We're duties. an audio brothel, is what we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to our family friendly show, everyone. Uh, and the last thing I'll mention, uh, if you would like to. Um, Light up the message boards over the last five minutes. You can go to reddit.com. Uh, okay, wait, let me get this right. Thelegendarium.reddit.com and uh, tell us how much you don't want our brothel services. So, I think we're good to go on to Justice League now. Uh, this is a this is a difficult one for me because uh, I don't care that much uh, about the success or failure. Um and so on the one hand, it's difficult for me to just get really exercised about the movie. On the other hand, there's a lot to say. Now, there's a lot to say, but I want to kick it to the person who's most likely to be either hurt or pleased by a DC movie or any comic book movie, and that's Todd. Todd, you are our resident comic book man. I am. Present, um... Finnish Massachusetts and company excluded. Uh, She's our visiting one. Visiting, visiting. Yeah. I'm, oh. I am in residence. You are the the, the traveling one. That's right. half the room, right That's, there. So, there yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, tell tell me just broad strokes. I don't need you to get into the nitty gritty. But did you enjoy? Uh, what did we watch? Justice League. I I enjoyed it. I did not enjoy it as much as I was hoping to, but I enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, now give me one reason why or why not. I think that once again, um, we see in DC that they struggle finding a balance between uh, keeping their characters relatable to a broad spectrum audience and paying appropriate attention to the source material. All right. Ryan, I'm going to kick it to you. What'd you think? As a whole, it was an enjoyable movie going experience, but it was definitely not where it needed to be as a film um especially considering what it's uh, what it's supposed to represent for the dc universe yeah um i'm i was very let down and i know that there's been a lot of things that they had to deal with in the making of this film uh the change of Zack snyder stepping right, out reshoots, one, a obviously. lot of things i get a lot of that but you don't have a track record of something other than the, to pr- to make that seem like an outlier. This isn't an outlier. This is standard operating procedure for DC. Right. Which is sad because you you gave us a glimmer of hope. <laughs> with Wonder Woman. With Wonder Woman. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, Vilia, you had to, you were tasked with not only going to see Justice League, but also seeing Batman v Superman, which you had never seen before. Did <gasps> you do it? No, I you cheated. Did oh, you cheated. Uh, I read movie spoilers because I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Also, I looked online and was like, this will cost Ten dollars, and I was like, "Not worth it." Batman v Superman. Yeah, really. You could not even rent it, and it was not worth the energy to get illegally either. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Did, did you at least watch Justice? I did League? watch Justice League. Okay, good. I did. Yeah. <laughs> then, uh, then you're allowed here. Can I just say it's really interesting that Batman v Superman is ten dollars online because on when I went to see Justice League, I took the whole family, and I don't think we spent that much because we went on for, on Tuesday with the five dollar deal. It worked out really good for us. So that's just yeah. sad. Yeah, it was. I was shocked that anyone would expect us to pay $10 to see that movie. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, probably not worth it. Um, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> There's, that reminds me of something, but it was mean. I'm just going to let it lie. Uh, but tell me about your experience with Justice League. Just overall, like it, love it, hate it. Yeah, uh, I feel like I used up all my disappointment on the trailers, so I didn't have very high expectations. <laughs> um, that being said, it just wasn't that fun for me I feel like it was trying to be seven different movies at once and all seven movies suffered as a result now what was your experience with the DC universe movie universe the DCEU I believe it's called DCEU um, had you seen Suicide Squad Wonder Woman uh, Superman the Donna Just- no Superman what was it called Man of Superman, Steel. Man of that Steel. one. Man yeah. of Steel. So I did not see Suicide Squad. I did see Man of Steel and Wonder Woman. I hated Man of Steel with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. Okay. Um, and I really liked Wonder Woman a lot. With the not fiery passion. Yeah. Of well, like maybe I, like three or I four I liked sons. it with like 
five cents worth of passion. <laughs> sure. Um, a lukewarm coffee or something like it's that. A brown, yeah. brown dwarf. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, I, oh, what was I going to ask? Oh, it, Man of Steel, real quick, just a tangent. Why'd you hate it so much? And, and then we'll get back I think to the... Zack Snyder didn't understand anything about Superman. I think Superman needs to be um, more fun in order to work. And I think he was trying to make a Batman movie out of Superman. So he just sucked all the life out of him and made him like grumpy emo Superman, which was just not fun. So grumpy you didn't, yeah, so you didn't yeah. like his, his vision. Yeah, no, I didn't like it at all. And I felt like it didn't really get to the core of what makes Superman work work as a character um i think you have to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek with someone like superman who's basically a god and like the nice guy and they just made him like sad sad god yeah sad god superman (laughs) that was man of steel okay all right duly noted now that is the that is the best explanation that i have ever heard anyone give about why they've hated superman everybody else did these wandering things of well they just didn't yet no you Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, because you agree. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do. So it's easy for you to agree. It's absolutely for, easy for, for me for to, to say For, for her to for have the brilliance to, to be so able great. to come up with it that way, that it, was nicely done. For her to say what you think <laughs> makes her the smartest. Right, Todd? Uh, at least at least nearly the smartest person <laughs> in the room. Uh, I, I didn't have nearly the aversion to Man of Steel that everybody else did, probably because... What? <laughs> What? I'm sorry. What? I hated Man of Steel. I hate Man of. I I still haven't bought it because I hate it so bad. Wait, oh, that's the like. You still haven't bought it because you hated it. Like that's how much you have to hate something. I pre-order most of the movies that I come out of the movie theater, like the Marvels and everything else. Like really? I pre-order when I come out of the movie theater. Done. I still haven't bought those. Like any of the. Uh, Man of Steel or Batman v Superman, I still haven't bought them. You yeah. know, if I had the ability to go in and say I want this series of scenes and I want this series of scenes, and the rest of the movie I don't want, I would buy that DVD. I really would. Because there were scenes in Man of Steel Choose that I your thought, own Superman. perfect, I'll take these, and the rest of them I would just flush. Completely flush. Like 85% of the movie. Okay, so here's why you guys are all a bunch of wanks. Hey, now. Well, because... <laughs> look, it, it was... Was it a terribly good movie? No, I, I didn't... I, I didn't enjoy it that much, but uh, like I said, I just didn't hate it like everybody seems to hate it. Uh, BVS, on the other hand, that is that is a, just a garbage movie for garbage people. Uh, I don't care which cut you're watching, garbage. Um, but Man of Steel, and, and I would actually lump this in with uh, uh, Batman v Superman as well, and would extend it to Justice League somewhat. But... The thing that I like about Man of Steel and Batman v Superman is that they are Zack Snyder movies and that they have a vision and a, uh, and a, uh, what do I want to say? A creative coherence that I, that, that I find lacking in many other tentpole movies. Uh, because as we've so often talked about, uh, a lot of times a movie will, it seems like it has, um, studio, uh, suit committee executive hands. hands. Yes, written by committee. Fantastic They're Four. Just, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's uh, an example of one of yep. those. The movies that just fall apart in the writing phase because the executives say, "Well, you know, audiences. The, the tests say that the audiences really want more of this. Can you put another one of these gags in there?" And the, oh, gosh, I mean, I guess so. Does that? Are you still going to pay me? Like, of course we're going to pay. You. Okay, well, here's your gag. Um, but Zack Snyder, to his credit, has his own vision and he tries to execute that. Yeah. Now, whether you like that vision is a completely different question. And I am never going to say you shouldn't like Zack Snyder's Superman or that, you know, whatever. But at least he has something to say or a, a, a way that he wants to say it. And, uh, and I, I appreciate that in this day and age with tentpole movies. Ryan is about to uh, eat me. To the de- I mean, I yes, someone who has a set of movie morals, we'll call them, good for you in this day and age. That's great. When you come out and you tell fans of Superman that they don't understand the character because they I'm don't like your movie. I'm not saying he's not a dick. Like, 
you're I, I don't really know much about him or what he did or didn't say there's really a difference at least in my mind there's really a difference between a retcon and uh, a reboot and uh, flipping the bird at the entire fan base of a particular area and it feels it feels more like Zack Snyder goes to that third extreme nah nope okay I will I will pretend for just a moment that I th- care what you say. Tell me why you feel that way. <laughs> no, I just think um, he's... Do you he's... feel that he's not flipping the bird at the entire fan base? Or no. do you feel that he is not going that to that extreme? I, or do I you feel that it doesn't matter? I don't think he's going to that extreme. Uh, what he's done in building this vision of Superman is uh, he's taken uh, certain visual cues from certain uh, comic artists... And their stories, uh, and he, he so he's taken the visuals from that and said, "I, I kind of like that. I want to see where my mind goes with that." And he tries to tailor it to a quote-unquote millennial audience, a twenty-first century audience uh, that's super cynical and jaded with world events and all this. And he he gives them a Superman that he thinks they want to see, right? Something that matches their world. So basically, now, he flips the bird at the entire fan base for Superman. Isn't that what I just no, said? No, good lord, Todd, get out! <laughs> you suck. Now, Vilya, no, you were yeah, about to say something. So, I think we have to distinguish between what Zack Snyder does visually, like his visual vision. I think anyone can agree that Zack Snyder makes pretty, pretty movies, movies yes. right? You know, yes. like you look at Aquaman and how he looks in Justice League, and it's amazing. You know, he looks fantastic. Yes. Um. I don't think anyone would argue that Man of Steel was not a pretty movie to look at for some, you know, the way that it's shot. Um, where I would disagree with you is that Zack Snyder has a vision for the stories that he tells. I think he is a poor is storyteller. All, all visuals? Yeah, it, I think he focuses on visuals and he has like a little thread of a story that he wants to tell and he doesn't know how to put together a coherent story um, to build... I'll the appropriate that. emotional yeah, response um, to have people buy in. I think that was my core issue with Justice League. I think so, that was my problem with Man so of Steel. Zack Snyder would be better as a, a a design lead or maybe maybe even a cinematographer. Yes. Something like that rather than sitting in the director's chair. Yes. So basically okay. what, you're, what you're saying is that Zack Snyder is to superhero movies what George Lucas was to Star Wars. What? I'll have to think that through. Yeah. I don't know. What are you talking about? No, don't. don't I don't want to know. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to know. By the way, you guys, Rose just pledged $3 on Patreon. Wow. Thanks, hey, Rose. Thank you. I just got the email. Oh, so. thanks, Rose. Thanks, Rose. Uh, okay, now, more Justice League stuff. Um, l- let's get off of the Man of Steel BVS. I, we are going to reference these movies because you can't talk about Justice League without referencing them. You and probably to. the Avengers over and over again. But. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, what worked. Todd, you said you were at least entertained. I was. What did you like in Justice League? Um, I liked the fact that they found ways to make the individual characters um, interact with each other in a way that was almost believable from where they started. Um, they weren't necessarily, for instance, uh, Barry Allen as a as a young nerd geek not the Barry Allen that I was used to from the comic books. Barry Allen that I'm used to from the comic books is a very different kind of individual. Um, the same with Arthur Curry um, as as an individual. If you if you, however, take what they what you are given these little snippets of what you're given, and then look at the way that they've meshed them together. Yeah, they worked. They had some on screen chemistry. They uh, the the banter that they tried to infuse them with worked in those few moments. Um, the thing that the the thing that held those pieces together for me, at least, was that I was able to say, okay, I'm going to leave, I, I'm going to I'm going to make a conscious effort to leave all that I know about these characters' histories at the door and allow this to try and be a retcon. And from that standpoint, I could say, okay, yeah, there were some moments that were kind of fun with the way the characters interacted. Okay, that was my that that'll that's that's my big one. I mean, I, we've already talked about the visual spectacle that is a that is the movie, and there were some amazing things that were done in the the remaking of the world to look more like apocalypse, and um and and some of the things that were done with and and I I just have to say I'm glad they used Steppenwolf because that was one of my favorite villains just because of the name. Um, <laughs> And in fact, I remember when the character was introduced, I was sitting there with one of my buddies and I'm like, hey, check this out. They're making a villain named Steppenwolf. And they're like, no, they're not, man. So when you're 
when it's just talking, it was fun. Yeah, that's I, that makes sense. Uh, but when you're talking about liking the character interactions and all that, so basically what I'm hearing is I like that they got Joss Whedon in for the last little bit of the movie. I think that's a fair way to say that. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to say that. If, if his hand is the one that did those pieces, oh, it's I would. You, yeah, it's yes. pretty. Apparent. It certainly feels like it. It does feel like that. The the thing I see, and Ryan, you can tell me if I'm blowing well hot air. Uh, but the thing I see is uh, in June, Spider-Man: Homecoming comes out and kills it. Mm-hmm. You know, rightly or wrongly, it kills it, and people love it, and they love Tom Holland, they love Spider-Man, they love this new. Uh, sticky take on on Spider Man, and let's uh, and then they they're in the middle of their reshoots, and they're like, oh my gosh, we don't have uh, we don't have a quippy Spider Man character. What are we gonna do? And they like everything. I feel like almost everything with Barry Allen was a reshoot. It, you know, mm-hmm. through July because they were reshooting through July and I think into August, where they just said, oh, we need a Spider Man. Did Did you ever feel like that when you were watching? Um, this one not specifically like that but i can get the feeling from that um because barry allen he did i mean he is their major comic relief with a few moments given to other characters fitting or not Ugh. oh boy um <laughs> but to me uh, i think doing that was a disservice to barry allen yeah um, to them and- i don't know anything about the character outside of I, I've never even watched the TV show, to mm-hmm. be honest. So I, I, I feel like that they, I think they did a disservice to the Flash character by doing that. And I do think I do think you're right in the sense that they felt, hey, we do need a little more quippy. I One of the things I like about Justice League is they did a better job, I'm not going to say a good job, but a better job of balancing a lighthearted tone with heavier consequences of that. Whereas in the past, it's always been just this dragging w- emotional weight of, oh, everything's going wrong, everything's here. This one, they was like, hey, you know what? We're going to laugh through some of this. And I appreciated them doing that. And most of that is done through Barry Allen. The, t- the take on the Barry Allen character really should have been, um, if, you, if you go back and look at the characters in the, in, the, in the pantheon of the way that The Flash has been played, it would have been better to have made him Wally West that would have been more in line with the quippy, mm-hmm. um, lighthearted nature of the character. Um, that would have that would have fit better. But so much of the world, especially so much of the world today that has been watching the WB and been watching the Flash series is familiar with the name Barry Allen. And so I think that's part of why they made that choice. Or give us an opportunity to give more growth to the Flash by the end. because Give he, any growth? I mean, he had he has one moment of, of growth that is a very blatant, easy low-hanging fruit plot point when it's like when batman's like just save one save yeah, one yeah we're like okay okay all right so he goes and saves one and realizes oh i can do this again because he doesn't fight i like, i don't care by now this kid is smart enough to build space shuttle quality armor for him to be able to run in but he hasn't figured out how to fight in his speed forceness yeah no and I'm oh sorry. i didn't read it that way i just read it as he was a little bit cowardly um, and wasn't sure if he could mix into the fray safely. Poss- um, that, okay. that's, that, that's possibly. I, I mean, you could possibly see that. It still, it, yeah, that's that's a weak choice to put on an Avenger, or not an Avenger, uh, <laughs> a Justice League. You lose. Here it comes, here it comes. <laughs> Ryan's the first one. Does it, is it like a dollar every time we do that? Yeah, should we, should we have an, uh, like a marble jar yes. in the middle of the table? Uh, yeah. Vilya, anything you really liked? Yes. Um, I had <laughs> well, to think about that, that for a, a second. Yeah, second. It, it did take a second. Um, oh, and you're, uh, by the way, you're not allowed to say um, the armor on Themyscira. That's that's off the table. I already know you loved it, and it was. That's because amazing. Ken isn't here. Ken is saying it himself. Ah, <laughs> uh, so much rage, so much rage. <laughs> See, I told um, you guys. I but, told you guys she would okay, fit in here. If we're going to talk about impractical costumes. <laughs> Uh, can we talk about Aquaman wearing jeans into the frozen ocean? I was He's very... Aquaman. Yeah, but he's Aquaman, but no one would wear jeans into the like freezing cold ocean, even if you're Aquaman. I feel what, like he should know better. So what... Uh, okay, here's yeah. what I'm hearing from Vilya, uh, which is um, I really wanted Aquaman to take his pants off, and that would have made it a better movie. It would have been... A, a better be- take on Aquaman. A believable part of him. the movie. Like, I felt like he was just wearing jeans just to be like, I'm Aquaman so I can even get away with wearing jeans into the water, which was a yeah. weird choice. 
Uh, no, things that I liked. I I liked the Flash. I liked that they at least attempted to include some humor. Some but again, yeah. But again, I'm out of the characters. Like I'm less familiar with that character. Um, I'm much more familiar with Batman, where is my heart lies. Uh, I liked uh, the visuals. I liked a lot of the styling, but. I think one of the problems that we run into, and this goes back to that question of character growth, is that they just didn't have time to introduce all of these people in an effective way. You're getting origin stories crammed in with, like, uniting everybody together, crammed in with, oh, Superman is happening. And I felt like every single scene was, okay, we have 20 seconds to get in the resolution to this conflict so that we can move on to like have more people punching stuff, you know? It's, um, one of my favorite YouTube movie critics, uh, he goes on this tear about the Avengers and says one of the greatest shots in all of cinema history, and you know, I don't know that I agree with this, but he says one of the greatest shots is that, um, that crane Circular. shot where all the Avengers are standing back to back and the music swells and you see them all like roaring in defiance at the enemy and all that. And he's like, this is amazing. You know why? Because you care. Because you've had, whatever, eight, ten movies to learn to care about all these people and what they've gone through to get here. And yeah. um, and in yeah. this movie, they had to learn learn how to work together, et cetera, et cetera. And so Instead of eight shot, to ten movies, you get eight to ten seconds yeah. for right. each character. And so it, it, this, this uh, it has similar moments that are completely unearned. Yeah, I think that probably the most obvious example of this would be Aquaman when he returns to Atlantis and you have like one scene where we find out we find out about his mommy issues and then this like s- s- ocean woman is telling him like but now you have to get over those mommy issues that we just found out about because you have to go save the world and that's the end that yeah. we hear oh, of it, man. You know? I need to borrow I'm, something from you I'm I'm imagining there's a lot of amber heard on the cutting room floor for uh, this movie there probably there there may have been that character Mira is supposed to be uh, in the in the new fifty two retcon that they did for the entire uh, for the entire DC line is a huge character and plays a role in the in the Aquaman arc in general and in the DC universe in 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 gen- also in general that has never been played before and so I'm I'm willing to bet that they told her you're one of the you you look at the comic books you're a prime character we're going to make use of you gee sorry we had to cut you out for Barry Allen. Yeah. And they may be, they may do more of this. I, one of the things about this, I actually really enjoyed going to see this a second time with my wife. Oh, you saw it twice. I did see you it twice. Poor poor soul. Yeah. Um, I took my wife to it, and she is not a, she's she's not a comic book aficionado. She does not have the the buy into these characters or knowledge about their histories or anything. And she came out with more to say about this movie than I swear any other film that we've come out of to see yeah. because she's like. She just didn't understand most of the characters and things like that. Because, like, for me, I thought, like, the arc of Cyborg was probably one of the best arcs in the story. Again, it's a low bar, but... Yeah, I didn't think there was an arc at all. I hated that character. But I think he... Or the treatment of that character, I should say. I think he is... He is the one that is the most emotionally involved in what's going on in the sense of trying to figure out he's not sure what this is doing to him. It wasn't something he asked for. Right. A lot of the things... And so I came out of it and she's like, I didn't feel a thing for him because I didn't know anything about him. Uh, you kept saying he was the most inter- interesting character. And I was like, I don't get it. I don't know why. And I was like, oh. Well, I think that's, um, it, yes, I completely agree with her. Mm-hmm. And I think it actually goes back to uh, Batman v Superman uh, and the unearned payoff concept that we were just talking about where, um, or I should say, uh, no, it's Man of Steel. When Man of Steel, spoiler alert, breaks General Zod's neck, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. Why? Because Superman doesn't kill. Right. Right? But at no point in the movie is that ever explained to anybody. Right? You, right. You're, you're never told in Man of Steel that his father or his adoptive father gave him this ethos or whatever. It's never explained. And so that payoff has no resonance. Um, and similarly, like with all of these characters, we're all supposed to buy into this because, well, these are all part of the shared mythos, yeah. you know, of uh, of Western culture. But like, 
if you're going to change so much about these characters, it's no longer a shared mythology. You have to explain who these people are. Well, and, and, and Velia, I don't know if you feel the same about the way that Batman has been treated over the last couple of decades, but there have been so many retcons of the entire DC universe that I think there's a lot of us um, that Ret- retconning, by the way, what is it? Or like uh, a retroactive, retro- fit? retroactive, ret- uh, retroactive gone. Con- I'm going conniption fit. No, something okay. like that. It's a, it, it, it's, it's no, I'm taking a, yeah. taking a, making the new origination fit the old one, eliminating all of the old stuff and pretending that it never existed uh, okay. and slipping things in wherever just, you want. Everybody retroactive says that continuity. Continuity. Thank you. Everybody says it. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard the full term. Yeah. In my life. So um, anyway, go on. We we we've seen so much done with the DC universe. They they tried to they've they've done this three or four different times in the last two decades where they've where they've taken the entire continuity and just reboot it and say we're going to throw everything out. We're going to start over. We because we have new writers, because we have new artists, because we have new readers, because we want to change things. And I I I get that, but at the same time. It's it's changed every bit of that mythos to the point where if someone were to pick up a, a Superman comic book from the 1970s and the 1980s and try and read it in context of the new pieces, you'd go these don't even these don't even look like they're similar at all. And I I saw the same thing with Batman, with Flash, with Green Lantern, with a lot of these with a lot of these reboots that they've done for the entire DC universe. Yeah, uh, can we talk about? Batman in that context? Yeah. Because I've been waiting to talk about Batman. 31 minutes in, let's let (laughs) Vilya talk about Batman. Uh, Okay, so with that being said, you have this Batman who hasn't had a standalone movie. I mean, you people know Batman, so I think they just assumed, oh, it's Batman. People will know what Batman it is, but this is a different Batman. It's not the Christopher Nolan Batman. It's not the Tim Burton Batman. It's a totally different Batman. Um it's not the Val Kilmer Batman yeah, that we swear we will never talk about again. Hey. I actually like Val Kilmer as yeah, Batman. Yeah, he, he, really cool. I mean, he was really cool. I mean, was really. He's also. Oh wait, it's George Clooney. We don't talk. Yeah, about. Yeah, don't talk about George Clooney. But <laughs> Val Kilmer was a great Bruce, uh, Bruce Wayne. Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, let me help you out there. Yeah, I know. Batman expert. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, Batman, we he hasn't had a standalone movie so far, and he's just been in Superman movies or in this Justice League movie, and so. They haven't given him a chance to show what he's like as Batman. And I feel like they did a real disservice by having Superman dead for the Justice League movie because you have this Batman. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean to tell me they wasted the he, death of Superman? He does yes. this all in the time. He does this moment, all the time. In a superficial, awful uh, I mean, storytelling stroke. Well, I hated that. I'm I, sorry. Don't yeah, waste it is, the it death is a of waste. Superman. Sorry, go on. I mean, and they... I think, in all fairness, they can bring Superman back. I mean, that's happened in the comics, right? But with Superman gone, you have Batman here who doesn't get to act like Batman. You know, if you have Batman and you're bringing in all these new people, like, his job is to be the grumpy, gruff one who, like, doesn't really want to play nicely with others. And instead, you have Batman filling the leadership vacuum that Superman would normally leave, and he's just... Like everybody's grumpy rich uncle for most of the movie. Like he doesn't get to be Batman y at all. He's just like, I'm rich and I have to get you all together. But he doesn't, like, I kn- there was one moment, the very first scene of the movie, where they like had the Batman music playing and I like gasped in happiness because I was like, this is so Batman y. And then they had like the Gotham aesthetic. And then after that, I was just like, this isn't even Batman. It's just like Ben Affleck being mildly grumpy. Yeah. When they played the, the, uh, the old Danny Elfman. <laughs> Batman music and they even did they they brought in the John Williams Superman music yeah there was a part of me that rejoiced and was like oh back to the roots and uh, then there was another part of me was like F you guys you have not (laughs) earned this Mm -hmm. how dare you I mean that was one of my favorite things in the movie was when they pulled in the Wonder Woman music the first time (laughs) she comes in you know but yeah they didn't earn it and they didn't use it by the way I won't do this because it's already getting late on a Sunday night and I want to get this podcast published tonight but I I want to do like a super cut of just Vilya saying Batman over and over and over again because I think you said Batman like 78 times in those three minutes Batman yeah I love Batman (laughs) (laughs) what do you think the biggest disservice that they did to the Batman character in this movie was they didn't give him anything to do. 
like he didn't get to be Batman. He just so, assembled everyone else and didn't he didn't do anything. For me, one of the things that was that was interesting when if you go back and you look at the way that the New Fifty Two put together the Justice League. Um, they did it. They did it roughly in this same kind of a manner. They had the mother boxes show up. They had cyborg showing up. They had this. They had this uh, problem that attacks the entire planet, so that they have to get together somehow. But the thing that was fascinating about it is that Batman had it all figured out before anyone ever started fighting about it, and that's the thing that makes Bat. He is the he's the Dark Knight detective. He is he is the the one that solves all of the problems in advance, and then has to bring everybody else up to speed. And in this movie, it felt like um, everybody, he was trying to get everybody else to solve the problem like a teacher in an elementary school. Which you would never hire Batman to be a teacher in your elementary school, right? Ever. Hey, hey, Ever. hey. I mean, you speak for yourself. Okay, you shouldn't hire Batman to be the teacher in your elementary school, okay? Yeah. I mean, that that's exactly <laughs> it. I, there was a part of me that felt like all of the characters were kind of pointless because they couldn't even fight until Superman showed up and then Superman was like, it's the Raiders of the Lost Ark all over again. <laughs> it, you take Indiana Jones out of the movie, still doesn't, has the same Doesn't end. change the, the <laughs> You plot. take Superman, the only reason that there's any story in here at all is because Superman is dead at the beginning and decides to go save civilians because they can't short the time. Because as soon as he's back on the scene, it's game like, game over. Game over. Oh, yeah, we can't bring him back yet. Yeah, the second he yeah. shows up, they're like, oh, go save some civilians so that we can punch with Steppenwolf for another two and a half So minutes. why do we even need a Justice League yeah. if we only need Superman? Yeah. Basically, and we're I... the Superman resuscitation team. <laughs> so yeah, I assume in the comics, there's a reason for all the other characters, more so than in this Yes, there movie. is. Yes, there is. And part of it is that, uh, again, this goes to a place where I'm not sure that Zack Snyder understood the source material. Steppenwolf as a, as a villain is not a real, he's, he's the, he's the, um, the advanced scout and dark side. When he shows up, he's the power. He's the one that has all the parademons and he's the one that goes toe to toe with Superman. And the two of them in the comic books slug it out with each other while everybody else is trying to hold the rest of the planet together. It is, it's a totally different take on it. And, on, and I, think what, I think what they're trying to do in DC is set it up and say, oh, now that they've defeated Steppenwolf, now Darkseid's going to come in and we're going to have all this other stuff, which is fine if we ever get to see it, but I'm not sure that we will because I'm not sure the box office seats, receipts made them happy with it. Well, the, yeah, we're getting more DC movies. Uh, after the success of Wonder Woman, they're going to peace out uh, with what's his name, Zack Snyder, and they're going to bring some others on. Well, they and, hired uh, someone to be the Kevin Feige of the DC Universe. I don't remember who it is, and it was a good step in the right direction because it's what brought on um, Patty Jenkins. 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 It's what started this direction, but we so were Jeff, still having to pay off Jeff those other Jones? things. I don't remember offhand, but it sounds about right. Um, uh, oh, I don't care. Who? Thank you. <laughs> right. So what we're really getting is we're getting the washout last little bits of what Snyder has done, and we'll see what happens going forward. And quite frankly, I felt like Justice League was them trying to kind of one last ditch, play catch up and get so they can compete on the same level. As, was, as Marvel, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, this is not me saying that Marvel is the end all be all. They're just further ahead in the game. Well, they, I mean, right now they are. Who else is doing what they do? Nobody. They, right. they can't. The closest we, uh, the closest we have come to that, uh, like a Marvel shared universe, is Star Wars, which and, we have two new movies. Right. Right. And, oh gosh. And again, those are Disney properties, so maybe it has everything to do with the way that Disney throws money at it. I will say though, and and I've been saying this for three years on the podcast when we've talked about Marvel movies versus DC movies. DC as a as a publishing house has done a masterful job with their animated films. If they could do yes. half as good with their live action as they do with their animated films, the the competition between Marvel and DC changes dramatically, and you have some really fascinating uh, film work that can be done on both sides of the table. If you want a great example, you want to get to know Barry Allen, go watch Flashpoint Paradox, the, the oh, animated. Oh, that was it's great. one of the best ones they've done, and it is. it will let you know why... This Barry Allen is such a letdown. Yeah. So, uh, or go and watch any of the Teen Titans movies. 
part of the reason that we have Cyborg in such preeminence right now is that he was part of the Teen Titans process. Mm -hmm. And there are so many kids that are coming to the age where they have money that they want to see Cyborg because they saw him in their Saturday morning cartoons. Um, but if you if you go and you watch the Teen Titans you and the Teen Titans animated films, you get some really good filmmaking, some really good storytelling that involves all of these characters. And you start to find out some things about that, that if you take all of that information and assume it as part of the information that you're going into this movie with, it helps. Uh, okay, that's fine. I don't have I know. any of that, though. I and know. That's, I, that's, and that's one of the great things. Uh, once again, let's talk Marvel. One of the great things about Marvel is that I know jack about their comic books. I know. I've never read one in my life. And yet, I know everything that's going on in the Marvel Universe really well because they explain it to me over eight movies before asking me to care yep well about the team up even when they did avengers they had had standalone movies for pretty much every avenger except for hawkeye and black widow and black widow had been in some of the iron man movies and they also brought in a villain who we were already familiar with and i think that was something that they did really well was having that backstory already established. And so the movie could just be about bringing them all together into one space. Whereas here, Steppenwolf, I wasn't familiar with. And so I was just like, uh, boxes of power. That sounds like a very generic superhero thing, you know? And I had to Google who the villain, what the villain's name was like 10 minutes after I finished the movie. Cause I couldn't remember. Cause it's like, I don't know who this yeah, is or he's, what he's, he's all about. He's almost a non-entity in yeah. the story. And you know what makes, I will give, some credit to the crew, um, especially the special effects team, because I read, I was reading somewhere the other day that <laughs> Steppenwolf, the guy who played Steppenwolf, yeah. never was on stage with the other actors Ugh. because of the, the forced perspective and the things they were doing. He did everything green screen on his own. There was no interaction with the other characters. And so for that, I will say, good job, guys, for making it look like he was there. I um, guess, yeah. But, but you know, there's a Russian term for that. Bolshevik. Oh. Yeah, I hated I like I, I hated the villain. Um and now that you say that, I'm like, oh, I wonder if that was part of the reason. There was no interaction. There mm -hmm. there was no humanity in any of the scenes. Well, okay, humanity, uh on Chikime. But uh yeah, I, I did not appreciate him as a villain story wise. Mm -hmm. I also thought he looked laughable. Yes, he looked like he walked out of a... A PlayStation 2. Yes, uh-huh. I was yeah. like, World of Warcraft, or like, you know, just some video game. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I, so I hated Steppenwolf. Todd, did you like him? As a as a, as a moviegoer or as a DC Universe... Don't don't give me your DC Universe or I, stuff. I have to, because that's... As a moviegoer. Movie movie as a, as a moviegoer, I, I, I look at that and I say to myself, oh, Loki, but with born bo uh, bone horns instead of gold horns. Okay, great. Um, but, but I, but I have a hard time removing all of the things that I already know about the DC universe and about Steppenwolf and about Apocalypse and about New Genesis and about the new gods and how they've all created all of these things. So for me, it's, it's tricky. I look at it and I go, oh, this is a place where they pulled something and they tried to remain true to what they found, but they didn't do enough research around the story to understand how it fit in the, in the entire piece. Again, it goes back to this idea. They, Zack Snyder has some really cool visual concepts, but he doesn't really understand them within that universe. And so it leaves the audience confused. It leaves fans very disappointed. And he gets to this middle ground where everybody kind of goes, eh, if you'd have given us just a music video and to watch instead of all of the dialogue that you threw in there, we could have made up our own movie and it probably had to be more fun. Uh, Ryan, technical aspects of the movie, like when it comes to CGI, uh, how did you feel about it? Um, I think people are going to be clamoring for us to talk about the the whole mustache gate. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I barely even got that. So from a technical aspect, I'm going to say for being a blockbuster film the, at the level it is, it was pretty weak. There was a handful of, of things that were done well, I think. Um, I actually... I liked the way that they handled Cyborg and his, his overlay was good. Um, but there's times during fight sequences or whatever that it just felt like they, they rendered it at three quarters quality or something. <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, not sure what's happening there. Um, mustache gate. 
there was a few moments. What does moments. that mean? Oh, okay, so let me explain okay. this because I had to have it explained to me because I didn't notice a dang thing. Apparently, Henry Cavill was shooting another movie during reshoots and was contractually obligated to retain a mustache. And so when he came in for reshoots, they had to digitally remove the mustache and people say, like, it, it was the Tarkinization of Superman and all that stuff. Yeah, they spent I did not notice millions of dollars yeah. to replace, to redo his lower face. His face did look weird, but I didn't know why. And so I never I just, would have thought about it. I, he's just yeah. so handsome. I assume that anything I'm seeing is like of another planet anyway. That's it's fair. like That's he's fair. not allowed. <laughs> I'm I am pleased to hear, and I know that the artists would be pleased to hear that you did not notice it. Um, those, I, those I even were, knew that going in, and I still didn't notice. Um, there's a couple places. I mean, there are parts that are very clearly not like their original shots, um, and there's a couple of them that you can tell. Yeah, I I can tell that there is something unnatural about his lower lower jaw. But I'm going to also throw this. I don't know how many people caught the. Um, overlays that they had to do on Wonder Woman. I didn't. She was pregnant during part of the reshoots. Oh, that's right. I do. And they had that. to replace her stomach piece. The armor they actually just put like right a green piece there, and then did a flatter stomach on her afterwards. When it's not uh, facial reconstruction, you know, with all of the thousands or hundreds of muscles that have to move just so to get mm -hmm. it to look just right. When uh, you're, you're not, a... you're not going to get an uncanny valley with a stomach. Yeah, so much. This is this so. is, and it's armor. You're you're putting armor on there, right. so it's you're not going to deal with it as much. So, hey, at least she had armor on her stomach, right, ladies of Themyscira? Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, he's I, got at least one more time to make that joke before it's dead. Come on, I mean that that was a little. It, <laughs> look, I'm all about the. It's just a movie. Do what looks cool, but at a certain point, you have to. Yeah, you know, well, well, and when you've already established how these warrior women look in Wonder Woman and what armor they have. And then they're like, eh, just remove half of that over their vital organs. That's fine. That's practical. And uh, curl their hair more. She's, a, like, no. she's a Victoria's <laughs> Secret model. She's used to it. Just take half her clothes off. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. Um, and she was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, got, she... I got uncomfortable for a second there. <laughs> the, the shake of the head and the eye roll all at the same time with the looking away. Craig, I... what a... <laughs> You you were almost Ken at that moment in time. I, I have known Vilia for some time now, and uh, I have perfected the art of making her make that look. That's now, true. That's people, fair. It's true. People listening can't see the look, but you can imagine. <laughs> Just imagine the best eye roll you've ever seen. Well, at least the me most Massachusettsian of eye rolls. Sorry. I, I would give it that. Um, all right. We are... Oh, gosh. We've got about 10 more minutes. Do we have anything more to say... I, I actually have one more thing to say about Justice League, but does anybody else? Uh, Batman should never have named his cameras Batcam 1, 2, 3, and 4, because anyone hacking them just knows right away, like, oh, Batcave, okay, I'm here. <laughs> that that is one of the single greatest observations of that movie. I suppose you're right. It is, a, it is a total throwback to the 1960s. <laughs> We'll, we'll, let's have, let's Alfred, have bat skis and, Alfred, and to the bat cave. Get my bat skis. Bat get my three, bat, bat, get my bat plane. Uh, I did not notice that. That's fantastic. At least they didn't call the night crawler the uh, the the bat wall machine or something like that. They oh. should have just gone for it at that point. Bat crawler. <laughs> the Wi-Fi in there is bat crawler. Please. Wi-Fi as Martha was here or something like that. <laughs> that was awful. That was awful. Um, <laughs> any other final thoughts? I, I, one of my favorite moments in the whole show is at the very end when they're moving Martha Kent into the, back into the house and Bruce and, and, and maybe part of this is because I was hoping that they would eventually get to a point where Bruce and Clark, not Batman and Superman, but Bruce and Clark start to develop the relationship that I have, that I had grown up with. Um, and, and they have this moment where he says, how'd you talk the bank into doing this? I bought the bank. I mean, the, that, that one moment I said to myself, you know what, that's, that's the kind of thing that I was hoping was going to be throughout this film is that these characters were going to be the characters, not the icons that they're supposed to represent. Totally little, agree. All right. A little beacon of hope in that. I, I think 
as a whole, there's a lot wrong with this film, but there are little beacons of hope that they can right the ship and piece some of those things together. Uh, they have some serious work to do on a couple characters to try and fix what they've done. I'm sorry, Batman delivering the line, well, I don't not like you. Yeah, literally, were... like my part of my soul died, screamed, died again, everything in that moment. And just Joss Whedon is not infallible, ladies and gentlemen. No, that was absolutely a Whedon line and oh, yeah. it fell flat hard. I believe it. You know what else did? Booyah. Oh, Cyborg saying booyah kind of in, it, it encapsulated the entire movie for me. So just just watch the three seconds where Cyborg says booyah. And I'm like, yeah, you've seen everything you need to see to make a judgment call on this movie. Now, see that one. I got it. I totally got the reference. And that goes back to the Teen Titans reference um, because he and Beast Boy are always saying booyah throughout their okay. entire experience. So if, again, it's, if it is a throw to that group of fans that they were hoping to attract, which granted, I think this film is targeted at 12 to 16 year old boys. And... In that case, that moment makes total sense. No, because not all your 12 and 16-year-old boys have seen Teen Megatron I think more business. of them have than you are aware, mostly because I've lived with 12 to 16-year-old boys for the last 10 and years. I would say that there would have been a better time to do that than at the apex climax of the movie. I will agree with that. I will, I will totally agree with that. Because I, I, I know that moment, too, and I'm like, at least, uh, well, they used the catchphrase. <laughs> okay. That was a terrible place to use the catchphrase. I I didn't I didn't shout out loud and say yes. I I giggled to myself and said, "All right, let him come in and take over the bat crawler thing and be like, all right, booyah, take over." You know, a moment that like that would have been good. Eh. Yeah, you know, I was tempted by the way, but I didn't want to put you guys through too much. I was tempted to text you all like three days ago and say rewrite Justice League and like and let's have a let's have a rewrite off. Ooh, <laughs> but uh, I, I thought maybe that would be a little too much work. <laughs> to put everybody through. Um, my my final thought on this would be... Did we get Vilius? Yeah, did we yeah, get Yeah, mine you? was yeah. Batcam. Okay. Back no camp. more Batcam. That's, no right, that's right, that's right. Um, I, I was pleased that they took some steps, albeit rather tardily, uh, toward correcting Superman's attitude, at least. You know, maybe not his costuming, according to some people, but he after he got over his uh, murdery tendencies right after waking up, he was much more um, lighthearted, likable, uh, fun, personality-ish than previous Superman Lois movies. Lane served a purpose. You know? No? no, I don't agree. I feel like we still haven't seen Superman, this Superman, be a person who the, cares about anything other than Lois Lane. It's like... Oh, I'm there's sad. Moment, no, 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 no. There's, I love Lois. That's it. <laughs> Uncanny, by the way. Uncanny. Uh, no, there's the moment at the end when uh, Barry Allen, or sorry, the Flash, is running to save oh, the civilians. Yeah, that's true. And then Superman flies by with a building on one of his hands. You know, like that he's was, a waiter. That was a great moment. That was yeah. a good that, moment. That was that a good was, moment. I will give you that. That was that's adorable. Fair. Fair. And then the post credit scene when he and the Flash are racing, also okay. adorable. Fair. Uh, anyway, so... It, the answer is the Flash wins always. Well, he has to, or else he has literally no purpose in the Justice the League. The Flash is the strongest character in the DC universe. Okay. Most well, powerful. Because he can turn back time. I, no. There, there's, there's some other things about the Flash that if you're, if you're familiar with the DCU, he is astounding. All right. Uh, well, let's... The Flash. Never mind. Uh, let's, let's get off this train and uh, talk, because we've got about five more minutes about The Punisher really quickly. I've seen it. None of you have seen it. Shame on you. It's been out for like 10 days, maybe. Something like that. Uh, I will ask you one question about yes, it. Yes, that's what I want. I want you to ask me questions. It, with the limited time schedule, why should I care about this Marvel movie when the last few have, or, or this Marvel TV series when the last few have been weak? Aha, I'm glad you ask. And here's why. You shouldn't. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, it was okay. So here's my quick take. It was fine. Uh, I thought the acting was good. Um, I really like John Bernthal uh, as Frank Castle. Castle. Uh, he's. I. I really like him. He's properly stoic and unyielding, and occasionally will crack a smile to great effect, uh, but very occasionally. 
so I, I like him just fine. I like all the supporting cast around him, including the dude from Girls who shows up and, and is like his new partner. Uh, he was good. It, but it was it was a good like eight episode Marvel Netflix show. The only problem was it was 13 episodes. Oh. And and I eight episodes is being generous. They probably could have done this in five or six, honestly. But there was a lot of junk in the middle. Uh, there's a character who they're kind of trying to set him up as like, what, is the Punisher just a terrorist? And so they give you a guy who is a terrorist and he's also re a returned soldier and also has guns and also has knowledge of, uh, you know, warfare. And he bombs a bunch of uh, places because, uh, well, nobody knows except that he listened to he he got caught wind of some uh, ultra right wing NRA propaganda and instantly wanted to murder everybody he sees, and it was just a little bit too like dumb and on the nose and political political assassination. Uh, of a certain viewpoint and all that stuff and it was a little bit dumb to their credit they do a little bit of nuance because uh, they're uh, what's her name Karen Page she's in the show for a good portion of it and she has a discussion with an anti-gun senator about like you know I, I carry a gun in my purse why shouldn't I and you know so there there are some good redeeming discussions of the issue of gun violence but the thing is I don't think the Punisher is the right place to have these conversations at all. And it felt a little bit off to me just because it, I mean, it's the Punisher. He's going to shoot 8,000 people in the head before these 13 episodes are up. He's the John Wick of the Marvel and, universe. You're right. And, and this is where you want to have your conversation about like the validity of guns in America. Come on. Like, I mean, because it is so prominent a piece of his lore, I, I can see why you might drop it in there, but you you will find it probably fairly difficult to engage in that conversation without a heavy bias doing that because you either have to put someone who's incredibly the opposite side of Frank Castle um, to try and make a point there. It's just not gonna it's not gonna read when you're trying to get people to buy into it and care about this antihero. Well, and and that's why I I liked him in Daredevil season two, which I did not like Daredevil season two, but I liked him in it because of his juxtaposition with Daredevil mm -hmm. and how they go about doing things. They're both really brutal, but they have a differing code of ethics on murder. <laughs> uh, so I thought that worked. And this one was a little bit more ham-fisted and a little too on the nose. Well, that's honestly... A, that's the Punisher. When it comes down to it in, in the comic book universes, it seems like if you're a hero if you won't murder. You're an anti-hero if you do. Like, that's your dividing line of characters. Right. Do you murder people? No. Okay, you're a hero. <laughs> Have you shot somebody? Yes. Okay. Which is one of the Goodbye, things why Batman. why Batman is so frustrating to me on this one is because they they put him on the anti-hero side, which he can be. Right. But I've seen it both ways. <laughs> Velia, part of, the, part of the Batman lore that I grew up with. Oh, we're with, back to Batman. Okay. I, I have to ask this. I've been dying to ask this question. Part of the Batman lore that I grew up with was that Batman had a code against killing. Was that something that that in your research you found and you pulled out and you compared against the Chris Nolan interpretation of Batman? And how did that, or did you did you even run into that? Yeah, that was basically my whole thesis, was about like, what is Batman's code of ethics? Uh, no, so originally, like early, early, early on, Batman did kill. Uh, in the 1930s. Yeah, like the, yeah, like like early, early Batman. And he like had a gun and yep. was like a true detective, you know? So so it's not until later that you get the Batman doesn't kill thing. Um, and I think a lot of people put so much stake in like Batman doesn't kill. But the Christopher Nolan movies, he's basically letting people die by choices that he's made. You know, like he's got Ra's al Ghul on a train and he's like, uh, I'm not going to save you from this train, but you're for sure going to fall to your death. I mean, it's the same thing, you know? And so, <laughs> so you can't. It's, it, it sounds it sounds like a sounds like an NRA argument. Hey, you can take away our guns, but Batman's still going to have trains. He's still you, you're death by. Train. I mean, he, he set up this train to crash and left you on it. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, yeah, so I don't I don't think you can really stick to like Batman's one defining characteristic is that he never kills because that isn't true in those movies. Mm. Okay, 
There's a Todd, are you cool. satisfied? Yeah. Okay. There's a great, I believe it's a college humor skit that um, it talks about Batman. Batman doesn't kill. And so Batman comes in, he's talking to Commissioner Gordon or whatever, and he's like, I, you know, I just, I don't kill. Ever. Like, yeah, you do. No, I don't. He throws a battering at a guy and it like sticks him in the chest and he's like bleeding to death and he's like, the guy dies there. So you just killed him. No, I didn't. He's sleeping. <laughs> this whole thing about it. Batman is just unaware that he's killing people by his actions. I'll tell you, if we had decent show notes, that would be a great candidate. <laughs> <laughs> that, that clip. Uh, but we'd better wrap it up unless you had something really, really important to say, Todd. So the way that you said that means that there is nothing really, really important enough that I could say. So I'm done. You could compliment me. I have nothing really, uh, really yeah. important enough to say. So let's wrap it up then. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, again, patreon.com slash legendarium. Go support the show. Thank you to uh, was it Rose, I believe I said earlier. It was Rose that gave $3 yes. during the middle of the episode. Thank you so much, Rose. Uh, and gofundme.com slash a bunch of stuff. Just go search legendarium. You'll find it. Uh, and then the legendarium.reddit.com is where you can go join the conversation. I will post this episode on there and you can comment to your heart's content. Swear to us. Oh, geez. How long were you sitting on that one? <laughs> you can tell he was waiting. Seconds. Yeah. You can tell he was waiting. Exactly. About 35 seconds for you to get to a point where I could drop it. Like if, if, the, if we were sprinters, you'd have been on your blocks just waiting for that gun to go off. I said Reddit and you're like, oh, this is my time. Here it is. I'm ready for it. Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Next week, the conclusion of our Towers of Midnight midnight discussion. I am 10% into the final volume of Wheel of Time. I'm mm. enjoying my time, my Wheel of Time so far with it. Uh, so we'll get to that one sometime in December. Don't shake your head at me, Vilya. <laughs> Come on. That was a... That was a I sat on my joke too long. You probably should have let yours go. Not danger. worth the pun. No. I hate you guys. I like her invited back uh, according to Todd oh yes absolutely alright fine uh, anyway I'll see you guys all next time except you Todd screw you thanks brother thanks brother